welcome to the 2022 Charles Sturt University podcast series. Charles Sturt would like to acknowledge the traditional owners on whose land we meet and their elders past and present. This series is shining the spotlight on issues facing our critical workforces and career paths available to assist with the skills shortage. In this episode, we're speaking with two highly esteemed experts in agriculture who together have over 70 years experience in farming, farming systems, agricultural research, and the latest technology and career opportunities in agriculture. Charles Sturt's Research Professor of Agriculture, Mr. Jim Prattley, and Senior Research Fellow in Spatial Agriculture, Mr. Jonathan Medway. To explore this critical industry, which continues to experience workforce shortages, Charles Sturt University's fourth year student studying a Bachelor of Agricultural Science in Honours, Ms. Georgia Smith, sat down and had a chat with Jim and John to hear all about how far the sector has come, including the exciting, diverse and lucrative career opportunities that are there for the taking for those considering a career in agriculture. Hi, Jim and John. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Georgia. Good morning, Georgia. I've really been looking forward to sitting down with the two of you to discuss some of the new and exciting things happening in the ag industry. I'm also excited to have the chance to share with our listeners some of the challenges facing our industry and the ways in which we're tackling them. So to start, Jim, in your eyes, historically, what do you think comes to people's minds when they picture someone working in the agricultural sector? Well, agriculture, as we know it today, has evolved over the last uh, 200 odd years. Uh, Initially, the industry was all about manual labour, so everything was done by uh, convicts and other people as we uh, move through history. And then we had the development of tractors and uh, implements. Uh, and a lot of those were sort of labour-saving devices or uh, devices that enabled heavy lifting type activity to take place. Uh, and labour was, was actually one of those things that defined what agriculture was all around. In that context, uh, uh, prior to, uh, say, World War II, uh, there was a lot of contact between the general community and what was going on on farms. And uh, even people in the cities would have relatives on, on the land where uh, the kids during school holidays would go and uh, uh, spend some time there. But increasingly after the war, uh, people moved to... The, the big cities and the coast. And so over time, that context or that contact has been lost. And uh, so unfortunately, people don't quite understand what agriculture is and uh, what it comprises in terms of uh, future employment. Uh, if you ask uh, school students what agriculture means to them, the only thing that comes out in most cases is farming. And of course, uh, most people are not now connected with farms and so they don't see themselves in that role. But what they don't understand is that the farming bit, the actual production bit, is uh, probably only a quarter to a third of the job market that takes place in agriculture because we have uh, jobs 
that serviced the farm sector, what we call pre-farm gate sector. And then we've got the sector that looks after the product produce after um, it's been produced on farm uh, or the post-farm gate sector. And so you're talking about uh, the chemical industry, the fertiliser industry, uh, rural finance, logistics, transport, trading, marketing, processing and the like. And so there's, there's enormous range of jobs available for people in agriculture without needing a farm. In the last decade or so, I guess it's been exciting because of the development of technology and John will uh, talk to us about that. Uh, but there's been big adoption of technology on farm uh, and in the industry that services the farm. And so when we talk about agriculture today, we're talking about uh, an industry sector with innovative technologies, with progressive business and uh, advanced science implementation. And so we need a wide range of skills uh, to bring into the sector because uh, we have that uh, basic responsibility of feeding our nation, but also contributing to the um, feeding of uh, the world's population as well. Thanks, Jim. The sector has definitely come a long way in the last 200 years, and it's really exciting to hear how high-tech it is now, the new jobs that are becoming available because of the innovation we're seeing. But Despite the innovation, the sector is experiencing some serious and critical workforce issues, isn't it? It sure is. Um, we've been monitoring the uh, workforce uh, requirements and also the supply of people to uh, that workforce requirement. And it's, it's a concerning set of statistics. We know that uh, the job market is been at least uh, 3,000 non-farm jobs that require degrees for a couple of decades now. And in fact, in 2021, that jumped to uh, four or 5,000 a year. And we know by monitoring what we do in the university sector that we're producing fewer than 900 graduates a year. So if you say average 3,000 jobs and 900 graduates, there is a big gap. And it's not only the current gap now, but the future is projected to be a much more intense time for uh, recruiting workforce. We're not the only sector that has this problem. And uh, the mining sector, for example, in recent times has said they want 24,000 new jobs in the next five years. We know that the technology uh, sector is saying, well, we need 60,000 people a year and we're only training 10,000. Um, we've seen the sort of uh, uh, concern about the health sector and the aged care sector and not having enough people working there. And so um, what we're going to be faced with is a workforce marketplace that is of intense competition. And that means that uh, 
we're going to have to, as a sector, get really serious about how we um, encourage people into our sector. Uh, it's not going to happen without uh, some sort of disruption by the people who employ them. There are great careers there. Uh, they are now paid well. The law of supply and demand has worked quite well for agriculture. So, um, as I said, great careers, well uh, remunerated. And I think it's really important that we, we sort of uh, extend that view that it's warm and fuzzy as well, because what we do is an essential service what we do is uh, humanitarian in uh, a lot of the places in the world where hunger is a real problem. And so uh, we actually do good. And uh, so uh, it's got all the hallmarks of what you want in, in a, a job, uh, good times, good money, good opportunity to uh, make a difference. And uh, the difference you make is, is actually greatly worthwhile. Thank you, Jim. Those statistics are quite shocking, but I agree it is important to promote that we do a brilliant job um, and the pay that everyone now receives is um, really important as well. And we need to try and attract as many people as we can into the industry. So there's definitely a lot happening. It's a very exciting time. However, there are many challenges to be faced, especially with the large labour shortages. Can you tell us about the career options available? Yes, well, uh, they're across the board. So uh, we, there is a strong market for people who want to work in the livestock industry. There are great jobs for people who want to work in the, the cropping uh, industries. Um, Agritech is suddenly becoming a big, uh, opportunity that I can tell you there are 167 advertisements in 2021 for people in agri-tech and uh, soils uh, with the weather and climate all of those things are really important the rural finance sector is a big employer of graduates 100 or more a year type stuff and uh and so there's an opportunity for people working in all these areas, and obviously they require different skill sets. The point of, about uh, an agriculture graduate is that they're sought after because of their, their interdisciplinary skills, so that their adaptability to a whole range of employment opportunities. And, and they're also uh, highly sought after from other sectors who see that characteristic as really useful to them. And so they're enticed out of the industry as well, and we have to replace them. So we can sort of indicate that uh, they're one of the better starting salaries for graduates. So uh, $65,000, $70,000 a year starting and then uh, rapid progression after that so as uh, employers want to keep them. and. Uh, we, we can expect that those conditions are probably going to continue to improve. The data so tells us that uh, there were 9,500 jobs advertised in, in agriculture across Australia. 
half of those were on farm and about a quarter of that half uh, were for people with management expertise. The other half were for off-farm jobs, obviously, but about a 1,000 of those were in the cities. So we're talking about people who live in the cities can actually participate in agriculture because there are a 1,000 jobs a year in the city. And uh, the other three-quarters of those off-farm jobs were in the regions. So uh, if you put all that together, it doesn't matter where you are in Australia, um, doesn't matter what your interests are, there are likely to be jobs for you at, at really good salaries. And uh, of course, uh, the lifestyle is pretty good as well. It's important to note that um, women now feature uh, pretty strongly in agriculture. Uh, there was a time where women weren't allowed to go to ag colleges and ag high schools. Uh, fortunately, uh, since the 1970s, we've overcome that. And now we have a majority of female students in universities doing agriculture. And that's been happening for the last uh, uh, nearly two decades now. The other uh, group that I'm keen to sort of promote is uh, the Indigenous community. They've had a very strong history in managing the Australian continent. 65,000 years is a reasonable uh, example of their impact. But of course, when uh, white man moved in, there was a gradual sort of separation of, of that connection in, in physical terms. And so I'm very keen to see that uh, we, we encourage the indigenous populations back to agriculture where they've got a natural affiliation, because I want uh, those young people to have the same opportunity, job opportunities as uh, other non-Indigenous people. And uh, as well as that, we need to recognise that Indigenous people manage something like 40% of the Australian landscape with their own enterprises. Uh, we need to support them by providing uh, agribusiness uh, capability, if you like, uh, to... Uh, enhance the performance of those particular industries so that they enjoy the prosperity as well as the rest. Thank you, Jim, for your insights. I know as an emerging ag professional myself, I'm really looking forward to diving in and contributing as much as I can to the sector. It's very different now to how it was many years ago, and I'm sure more people would consider it as a career if they knew you didn't necessarily have have to be on a farm in the country, even though for many, that's a great place to be. So John, now to you, can you tell us a bit more about the Charles Sturt Global Digital Farm? Okay, thanks, Georgia. So as Jim's been mentioning, technology is playing an increasingly important part in, in how agriculture evolves over recent years. And that increasing um, availability and an introduction of technology to all aspects of agricultural production has generated all kinds of interesting challenges. So particularly around digital literacy, that in order for farmers and the industry more broadly to be able to utilise the technology, um, we actually have to be able to understand it and, and physically operate it. 
we need to be able to make sense of the the data that is being generated so that we can we can convert that data into information which then ultimately improves the way um things can 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 actually be uh, implemented on the farm and technology has been identified as as potentially adding um, you know, $20 billion to agricultural production over the next uh, decade or so, which, which gets us halfway towards the target of growing the Australian ag to, to a $100 billion industry. Um, but the challenges are we need to deal with digital literacy, uh, decision support tools, all those sorts of things that make use of that technology. So 12 months or so ago, the university and the uh, Food Agility uh, CRC um, formed a partnership to develop uh, the Global Digital Farm Initiative on the CSU farm to see what we can do uh, to, to help address those limitations. Um, and a lot of people don't recognise or don't realise that the CSU actually sits on a 2,000 hectare farm that was actually established as the Wagga Wagga Experimental Farm back in 1892. So we've, we've been here for 130 years um, using farm, using the farm to show agriculture you know, how, how we do things correctly. And, and the current challenge is this digital space. So we're looking to saturate the CSU farm, which, which grows a thousand hectares of crops, has 500 Angus cows, a couple of thousand sheep. Um, there's a vineyard, there's a horticulture area, there's centre pivot irrigation, there's dryland agriculture. It's a really, really diverse and exciting farm space. And so by, by saturating it with technology, we can do the research to look at well how do we utilize all these tools how can we convert this data into information and along the way um, we can be educating students in in the in the use of that information and showing them that there, there's a, a whole range of, of career opportunities uh, focused on data both the the understanding of the data, the the analysis of the information, but then also simply the support of the technology. That's that it takes particular training to be able to operate a drone or um, you know, to be able to support GPS-based um, activities. We're increasingly starting to see the uh, availability of um, automated systems, robotic tractors. In the near future, we'll be having to deal with electric and hydrogen powered tractors and, and moving towards a, a, a more sustainable agriculture and, and driving towards the, the net zero um, ambitions that the, that the whole community is, is wanting to have. So it's, it really is a, a really interesting space and, and we're looking to see across the board on the CSU farm how we can be contributing to uh, that whole initiative. Thanks, John. It sounds so fascinating, and I'm sure it will also be a great learning initiative for students as well. Can you tell us about some of the technology that is currently being tested and or rolled out on the farm? Okay, yeah, so we're working at a couple of different levels there. So certainly one of the opportunities that we have with the diversity of activities across the farm is to be simply testing specific technology. So as, as technology are made, technologies are made available, we can be implementing on the farm to see, well, how, how does a farmer specifically use the data? So some of the things that we're working with in the livestock space there are working with some field-based weighing systems. So essentially putting a set of scales in a paddock, having a molasses-based um, um, attractant in a, in a container. So when, when a, a, a steer comes along and, and licks on the, the molasses block, in order to do that, they're actually standing on scales. And so that's, that's able to weigh that particular animal. 
there's an electronic tag in its ear which identifies which particular animal it is and then every few hours that data is transmitted via a low earth orbiting satellite um, to a, a cloud storage and each day it generates a, the system generates a report back to the farm manager that says this is the the average herd weight today this is their average daily weight gain over the last few days the last few weeks Conceptually, that's that's a terrific system. One of the challenges that we're having is that there is the percentages of animals that use that system every day and trying to understand how many animals need to use a system before it becomes truly representative. Is 15% of animals enough or do we need 20% or 30%? If we need 30%, then how do we actually encourage 30% of animals to, uh, to be using that technology? So so they're really good ideas, but there are still challenges in, in converting them from an idea to a practical solution. We're also looking at the use of GPS um, tracking um, tags or ear tags on animals. We're currently implementing a water management system across the farm where we're able to measure the amount of water that goes into every trough in the, in the beef section of the farm so that we can be looking at, can we be using that data to automatically identify uh, leakages in the system? Can we be using it to identify um, just water usage patterns and traits of the animals to, to use that as some kind of health indicator? So there's a whole range of specific technologies in the livestock industries. Um, for the for the cropping at the moment, while we're, we're planning out a, a refurbishment of the, the machinery plant to, to update to all the, the latest capability, we're busily looking at how do we assess the landscape capability for where we're going to be growing crops and pastures. So looking at taking 20 years of satellite data, uh, conductivity maps, elevation maps, soil surveys, to really understand what is the productive potential of every hectare across the farm so that we can then try and address the, the variability in production that we're seeing. So a couple of years ago, for example, in one of our wheat paddocks, the wheat yield ranged from three tonnes to the hectare at one end of the paddock to eight tonnes to the hectare at the other end of the paddock. Um, every hectare received the same amount of fertiliser as it has done um, for the last decade that we've been farming that land. So we need to understand what are the landscape characteristics that are driving that variability so we can look to um, to address those, those sorts of things. So, so there's those sorts of production issues, but we're also um, looking very much around how do we utilize all this information to to be driving that next um that next group of students who come to the university so by having a pro uh, a, a collection of, of webcams and um and other sort of virtual reality type technologies we're looking at how do we how do we take that technology into the classroom to be to be exciting the, the ag students of tomorrow while they're still at high school thank you john it definitely sounds like Charles Sturt are really embracing technology in the ag sector and it certainly broadens the career opportunities for people who might like to get into the industry. So Jim, back to you. Charles Sturt is a leader in producing ag graduates. Could you tell us a bit about the courses offered, please? I certainly can. Uh, CSU uh, produces around about one in four agricultural graduates in Australia and uh, we are probably the major provider of professional agriculturalists, as well as uh, providing uh, educated farmers. So we've got a pretty proud record there. Students can come in to a range of courses. So uh, we have uh, a two-year farm production course. We have a three-year Bachelor of Agriculture course, uh, a four-year 
agricultural science course and a three-year agribusiness course as well as an animal science course and our veterinary program is also focused on the livestock industries. We also do uh, viticulture and wine science so uh, and I shouldn't forget horticulture uh, which comes in at uh, three-year program but there's a new uh, one-year certificate program being uh, offered as well. So a uh, whole range of options depending on what people's interests are and uh, we have uh, over a thousand students enrolled in that suite of programs. So it's, it's alive and well, buzzing and uh, contributing to the professionalisation of of the industries that service agriculture. I should mention that uh, there is a big shortage of agriculture teachers across Australia, and uh, we're one of a very small number of universities where you can get training to become an agriculture teacher. And so we're looking for for really uh, yeah, progressive, enthusiastic professionals in agriculture to uh, take that message to the school market. In terms of coming into the program in uh, uh, recent times, the way, normal way for doing that is to uh, put an application in through the University's Admission Centre or UAC as we affectionately know it. And uh, that then goes into a, uh, a system whereby uh, depending on performance and availability, students are offered particular course um, offerings, uh, which they can accept or reject. The process is done through the school system and uh, they would do that in August, September before they do their HSC. Increasingly though, um, there's the early entry scheme and uh, students apply directly to CSU uh, with a uh, principal's recommendation and they get an offer based on their performance in the high school certificate. But uh, as long as they get the performance, they've got a guaranteed spot in the university in the courses they want. Veterinary science is a bit different in the sense that uh, there is a requirement you have experience and commitment to the livestock industries. And so they go through not only the UAC HSC performance, but they go through a, an application process and an interview process to determine whether in fact uh, they're considered suitable for the particular focus of our veterinary science program. An alternative pathway is through the TAFE sector. And so uh, some students leave school early and uh, get jobs and so on. But if, if they do a certificate for in the TAFE system, that provides them with automatic entry into our courses except for veterinary science. And so we find that that's quite a common process, particularly for people who are doing the uh, study online. I should mention that all those courses are available by full-time study and uh, most of them are available by distance education or online study as well. And so all that is indicated on the Charles Sturt University website, but there's a way forward for almost anybody that uh, wants to get the professional qualifications in agriculture. Jim, thank you so much for sharing that information with everyone. 
I'm sure it will be very helpful to our listeners that are considering a career in the agriculture industry. To the both of you, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure and honour to interview two highly esteemed researchers in my particular field. And for our listeners wanting to know more about what we've discussed, can you recommend a few helpful sites they could visit? Uh, well, certainly uh, there are uh, a couple of uh, key sites. Uh, the Primary Industries Education Foundation has a website called Prime Zone, and on that are a whole range of basically teaching materials on aspects of agriculture that are available to school teachers at both primary and secondary level, and that's that's a pretty uh, well-packed website. They also have, for people who are interested in careers, uh, what is called Career Harvest, which is another website which talks about the careers in agriculture and what it involves and uh, where you can get the qualifications and so on. And so that's uh, probably the most uh, used career website for agriculture. And I guess the other one, uh, particularly in New South Wales, but it'd be available uh, through the web for other people is, is the Royal Agricultural Society. Uh, they have a strong education process as well, and uh, they have teaching materials and other stuff on the website for people to have a look at. And uh, I guess I could put a plug in for their scholarship program. Uh, the Royal Agricultural Society Foundation actually funds students uh, to be able to access uh, either TAFE or university education through an application process and all that data is available on the Royal Agricultural Society Foundation website. Thank you again, Jim and John. The links that Jim has mentioned will be found in the podcast notes. You've been listening to an episode of the 2022 Charles Sturt University podcast series, which is covering issues within our critical workforces and the career paths available. To check out other episodes in this series, visit the Charles Sturt website and go to the podcast 2022 page.